This morning is the body of Christ, regardless of where we are. We would like to come together in receiving the body and blood of our Lord. Those of you who are here, I want to invite you to go to the back. If you would get the elements, those of you at home, if you would get a glass of juice, a cracker, a piece of bread, and if you would find your way to your seat, and in a moment, as the body of Christ, we want to receive the body and blood of our Lord. Let's do that now. Good morning. Would you grab your Bibles with me this morning? How many of you believe there is power in the spoken word? Would you just raise your hand? I believe when we say this and we believe it with our heart, things change every Sunday. Would you say it with me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Listen to this one. I can do what it says I can do. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 1. How many of you were here last Sunday? Oh, that's right, none of you. Great again to have you in church. Awesome as we experienced the first of the rest of the openings. Last Sunday we began celebrating the day of Pentecost and we looked at Acts chapter 1. I want to read again beginning at verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of how many days? Forty days. And he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Verse 8, but you will receive power. Say power. You will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, I thank you again. I thank you that you have given us your spirit, empowering us to understand, empowering us to hear your voice, empowering us to walk with you. Thank you for sending the gift. And before we begin today, Holy Spirit, I invite you again to take literal possession of my mind and my mouth. I invite you to speak and to flow through me. With the authority you've given in the name of Jesus, I bind up every demonic design and entity of the enemy that would seek to snatch and distort this word, and I command you to be silent. You will not interfere with what is going to take place today. And Father, I thank you again 
as you have always done down through time, you are speaking powerfully into the hearts and minds of your children. I thank you today that non-believers are going to hear your voice. I thank you today that believers are going to hear your voice. I thank you that you are saying things to the church that are not coming out of my mouth, but you are saying them directly, a rhema word. And I thank you that people will know it's you and they will capture it. Father, today, you know as you and I were spending time, you know that unless you open up, unless you bring faith, unless you empower to believe, what is going to be shared today will drop dead to the ground. But I thank you in advance. I thank you that you have empowered those with ears to not only hear, but you've empowered those to receive faith. To believe today something they maybe have never believed before. And so have your way, Holy Spirit. In the powerful and the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody agreeing said, amen. Last Sunday, all across the planet, the body of Christ celebrated the birth of the church. The fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, the reason for Jesus' departure from the earth, and that being the coming of the Holy Spirit. And let me make this clear, not his coming to the earth, because he has been here before creation. He was here when creation happened. He has been at work for 4,000 years from creation until Pentecost. But his coming to do what the heart of the Father has always been for his children, and that is not just to dwell with, but to dwell in. To fill those who have put their faith in the finished work of Christ. To have him reside in us as he did with Jesus. Making us what the Bible calls this term, temples of the Holy Spirit. The residence of the Spirit in us. Before we get going today, I want to ask you what may appear to be like the dumbest question Pastor Colin has ever asked. How many of you believe you cannot ask a dumb question? Just raise your hand. How many believe you can because you've heard dumb questions? My hand is up. But I'm going to ask you an incredibly dumb question, but I need to ask you this for a reason, and the reason is this. So you can answer it. I'm going to ask it so you can answer it. And I will let you know before I ask it, this is a total setup. I'm giving it away. So I want to say to you, be careful how you answer and be careful how quickly you answer because your answer may actually require change in you. Here it is. Four words. Did Jesus ever lie? No hesitation. A child shall lead them. Did Jesus ever lie? Dumb question, right? And, and let me say, it is a no-brainer for those who have faith. 
If he lied, that meant he would have sinned. And if he sinned, that meant he wouldn't have been qualified for the cross. And if he wasn't qualified to die on the cross for our sin because he had to die for his sin, that means you and I are still in our sin and we have no hope of heaven. Do you want me to say it again? I can't. So there is a lot riding on the answer to this question, but as believers, every one of us can boldly say, Jesus did not lie ever. Everything he said was true. Everything he said would happen has happened or is going to happen. The famous quote that instantly jumps into our spirit is from Jesus himself where he goes, I am the way and what? The truth and the life. Jesus didn't just speak it. He was it. So if that's true, If what Jesus says is always true, let me read Acts chapter 1, verse 8 for you again. You will receive power when Holy Spirit comes on you. Let me ask you again, does Jesus lie? So if he says to his disciples, if he says, Let's go to the other side. Can I ask you, will they get to the other side? If he says, take up your pallet and walk, can I ask you, will he pick up his pallet and walk? Can I ask you, if he says to a fig tree, I curse you, you will shrivel up and die, will that fig tree shrivel up and die? So if he says, when Holy Spirit comes on you, and dwells in you, you will receive power. If I am a believer, believing God raised Jesus from the dead, confessing him as Lord, inviting him into my life as Lord and Savior, and asked to be filled with the Spirit, if Jesus does not lie, we received power. If he does not lie, we received power spiritual power. We now have a supernatural power dwelling on the inside of us. There is a power in us, and I say this, it is so politically incorrect. There is a power in us that is not in a person who does not have Christ. If someone stood beside me and they were not a believer... And I am standing here as a believer. If a spiritual x-ray would be taken, they would look and go, no power. They would look and go, power. And that means there is a power on the inside of us that is more powerful than any demonic power that we could ever encounter. Let me say that again. There is a power in us more powerful than any demonic power we will encounter. And that means there is a power on the inside of us that is more powerful than even our own flesh. Let me tell you. For those who know that as believers, we are not ignorant of the enemy's design... 
one of the enemy's design is to keep us from knowing what we've got on the inside of us. Would you agree? And if we do know about this power, if you've been in a church where you have actually heard about it, or if you've got a Bible and you've read about it, or if you listen to some of the songs that talk about it, the design of the enemy is to do whatever he can to keep you from actually believing it. I've heard it. I've read it. But I really don't believe it. Especially, I really don't believe that it's in me. And if he can't keep us from knowing it, and he can't keep us from saying we believe it, to do everything in his power to keep us from ever using it. If he can keep you and I living and doing with our flesh power, he's got us. I, I just, this will never happen. I know it'll never happen. But imagine one day if in the church we set up a ministry where we invited people to come and all their job was to follow other believers around and keep track of everything they did all day long and just put a check mark. They did this flesh power, spirit power, flesh power. They did this flesh power, spirit power, flesh power. They did this flesh power, spirit spirit power. All day long they walked behind you and they checked off either flesh power or spirit power. You took your garbage out, flesh power, whatever you... At the end of the day, they handed you a list and showed you all day what power you walked in. How many of you would sign up and go, follow me? Check my life out all day. I want you behind me. I want you looking at the way I'm living. I want you because I know check mark spirit, check mark spirit, check mark spirit. Or how many of us would go, I don't even need you to follow me. I can tell you most of my list would be flesh power. Can I tell you, the moment we would get a revelation and we would begin walking in spirit power, I believe the demonic goes, look out. Can I ask you a sobering question? And I don't mean this to be judgmental, I mean this to be discerning, and I mean it to be convicting. If I were to ask you today, and those of you here, I want to ask you by a show of hands, if I were to ask you, do you believe the vast majority of the church today is walking in flesh power or spirit power, how would you answer? I want to ask you today, how many of you believe the vast majority of the church on the globe is walking in spirit power? Just raise your hand, would you? For those of you online, I want you to know not one hand is raised. Can you imagine if every child of God had a revelation of the power that dwells within and exercised that power on a daily basis? Can you imagine? This earth would be a different place. But can I tell you honestly, I am not overly concerned about the entire church out there. I really am not. I don't lay awake at night thinking about the entire global church. I don't. 
What I am concerned about is me. I'm concerned about my checklist. I'm concerned about my day. I'm concerned about my walk. Am I walking and living in the power that I believe resides in me because Jesus is not a liar? I remember the early years of our marriage. Jane and I, and I've shared this with you before, it was absolutely bizarre. Jane and I were surrounded by couples that were dropping off like crazy. We had family members that were divorcing. We had friends that were divorcing. We had co-workers that were divorcing. Marriages were just breaking apart like it was unbelievable all around us. And I got to tell you, it scared me. And not just worldly, I'm talking church. I'm talking believers. The marriages were just falling apart all around me. And I remember going to the Lord, and I said, Lord, what's going on? There was fear inside of me about the reality that that was going to be a part of my story. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Going up in my room, I fell down beside my bed and I got my, my head was in my hands on the bed and I cried out and I will never forget, the Lord said this to me, he goes, Colin, he said, even if every marriage around you divorces with me, yours does not have to. I gotta tell you, Jane and I held on to that. We held on to that through our storms. Every marriage has them. We held on to that during our dark time. Every marriage has them. We held on to that when our boat was capsizing. It held us. We talked about it earlier today, and I'll tell you, it is by the grace of God today we celebrate not our 48th anniversary. Today we celebrate our 36th anniversary. But I want to tell you in the same way, even though everyone around me, even though everyone around you is living in form, is living with flesh power, they are not walking in Holy Spirit power. At the end of the day, their entire checklist is flesh. Even though everybody around me, everybody around you is doing that, that doesn't need to be me. That doesn't need to be you. Even if your spouse is walking in flesh power, it doesn't have to be you. I want to tell you how I walk is determined by a vertical relationship, not a horizontal one. Do you understand that? I want to tell you straight up what the Holy Spirit has asked me to do today. If faith comes by hearing, does faith come by hearing? If faith comes by hearing, and we know it does, and hearing comes from the Word of God today, the Holy Spirit said to me, Colin, I want you to lay the foundation of increasing people's faith in this area of their life. 
I, I'm telling you, that is what's going to happen today. I said, okay. I was kind of excited about it. And I'm going to do that in a number of different ways, but I want to go back just for a second. In January of 1994, Jane and I and our two sons, Mal and Zach, they were the only ones born, Sam came later, we moved to Camrose, and in January 1 of 1994, we began ministry in this church. It was only a few days after we were here. I got a phone call. One of the senior couples in our church, their 50-year-old daughter had just had a heart attack. And as a result of the heart attack, she was in the hospital, she was in a coma, she was on life support, and the family called me, I went over and met with the senior parents, and then we went up to Edmonton into the room where she was at. Welcome to ministry. Three days fresh, and here I am. I got to tell you, we prayed, but I'll be really honest with you, I was not near where the Lord has brought me. Jane was not near where the Lord has brought us today. Can, can I maybe just tell you one truth? I, I just want to make that. I think Jane and I have probably grown in our faith over the years of ministry, maybe even more than the church has. Is that okay to say? I'm not the same guy that began in 1994. And let me just tell you one other thing. I'm not the same guy that I'm going to be one year from today. And neither are you. We went up to that hospital room. We prayed. Nothing happened. And the time came to make a decision to either let her live in a coma, they said, for the rest of her life on life supports or take the machines off and let her pass away. Some of you have been in that situation with family members, with friends. Some of you have been there. You know what I'm talking about. Tough decision. I'm a young pastor. They're looking at me for wisdom, for counsel. They want to find out what God is saying about this. Is this okay? I'm way above my pay grade here. The decision was made. The life supports came off. In only a few days, she passed away. But I want to tell you, when you walk with people through a valley like that, you get to know them in a few weeks in a way that you often don't get to know people in 20 years when you're just walking normal. Things go deep very quickly. As a result of building that relationship with the family, it was probably only a few months after that, I got a phone call from the older couple's son. He was a little bit older than his sister who'd passed away. On the phone, he asked me a question. He said, Colin, he says, do you believe in the demonic realm? I said, yes, I do. I believe it exists. He goes, could we get together? I said, sure. A few weeks later, he was living in a different province. He came out here. We were sitting at the kitchen table of his mom and dad. His mom and dad were out, and he and his wife were there. And as they began talking, and as they were sharing things that were going on in his life, areas of struggle, areas of difficulty, what they had been involved in, all of the sudden, 
as this gentleman was speaking, some of you have experienced this, all of a sudden as he was speaking, his mouth was moving, but there was nothing coming out. All of a sudden, he went mute. He was not speaking, and when I spoke right after that, he was not hearing. He went, I'm three months into ministry, guys. Can I just say this? The seminary I got kicked out did not teach me and train me for this scenario. Here I am sitting across. His wife and I looked at one another. This was going on there. I'm praying, oh God, what do I do? Have you ever prayed that? Oh God, what do I do? That's a great prayer, by the way. No sooner had I prayed that sitting across the table, and I'm telling you, I am, I am just, you, just I, the presence, of, no sooner had I prayed it, the Holy Spirit said to me, call, take authority, speak to it, and release him. I had never done that before. Can I ask you guys a question? How many of you are open to do things you've never done before? How many of you are incredibly comfortable in the realm that you are in and go, you know, the cruise ship is good. Beam me up, Scotty, is just around the corner. I don't need to be stretched anymore. I had never done this before. I'd read about it. I'd heard about it. I listened to teaching on it. I even heard testimony of other people who'd done it. I'd even known people who'd done it, but not me, not call. That's the kind of stuff you phone the Pope, you phone the pastor, you phone the, the person gifted. You, you call someone else in when this happens. doesn't work that way. In that moment, Holy Spirit spoke to me. In that moment, Holy Spirit empowered me. It happened within seconds. And so I opened my mouth and out of it came, in the name of Jesus, you demonic spirit, release this man. There was no earthquake. There was no lightning. There was no violent wind that shook the room. But can I tell you what happened? The moment I said that, this man began to speak and he could hear. And in that moment, this man who had been involved in New Age healing recognized that there was a power greater than the power that was at work inside of him and had been in there for years. He shared with me his story. That got his attention. Involved, he shared all the demonic healings and The reason he phoned me is he had got to a place where the demons in him were beginning to have him do things that he did not want to do. And any of you who have been demonized, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They take you places you don't want to go, but it's like, how do I get out of here? I can't on my own. After that visit that day, we set up a time we got together. 
That man was delivered of 17 demons. Every demon that manifested had a name. Every one of them had a power in his life. But every demon had to submit to the greater power of the Holy Spirit who after he was delivered filled that man with a power that he had never known before and that man is still walking in it today. I want to tell you it was awesome to have him free. But let me tell you what it did for me. I believed intellectually that Holy Spirit lived in me. I believed that. And I believed that when I got saved and baptized by the Holy Spirit, I received a power when he came into me. But I want to tell you, as that power was exercised through me, my faith went from here to somewhere up here. Some of you are hearing exactly what I'm saying. Some of you are totally missing and battling right now. I understand that, and I'm trusting Holy Spirit. Intercessors, I want to ask you to pray. Can I tell you, the same is true with every one of us as children of God If Holy Spirit dwells in us, and he does, and we receive a power when he comes in, that is a reality. Even if we have never exercised it, I want to tell you, the power is there. For some of you, that's all you need to hear today and believe is that the power is there. You may not have ever exercised it. You may have never seen it manifest. It may have never flowed through you. It is there. Today, I want to provide you with a few scriptures to lay a foundation, and I'm going to ask you not only to write these down, but I'm going to ask you to write them down. I'm going to ask you this week, and not only this week, it is going to become, I believe for some of you, God is shifting you in the day that we are in to walking in a different level of power and authority. You have the ability to stay exactly where you are. I just want you to know that freedom. You can stay exactly where you are. That's a choice. You're as spiritual as you want to be. But some of you, God has said, they are moving. They are shifting. They are moving to a place of power, a place of authority, a place where they have never walked in before. I'm speaking to you today. I'm going to ask you not just to write this down. I'm going to ask you to study. I'm going to ask you to meditate. I'm going to ask you to declare. I'm going to ask you to begin to believe. And when the Holy Spirit opens up a door and asks you to exercise it across someone else's kitchen table, to be willing to let him flow through you and watch the power change someone's life. Can I tell you what you already know? The world is needing us. Those in bondage are waiting for us. 
There are those who cannot get out from where they are until they come across a believer who actually walks in. Unless Jesus lied, the power. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 14. Would you write it down? John chapter 14. You can read through that entire chapter. You can find the context, but I want you to write down verse 12. It says this. This is Jesus in red, does not lie. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Can I just ask you a question? What was Jesus doing when he said that? In John chapter 2, he turned water into wine. In John chapter 3, he spoke with Nicodemus in the middle of the night, and he brought this man's spiritual revelation that changed Nicodemus' life. In John chapter 4, he spoke to a Samaritan woman and went back with her, and an entire village was saved because of his encounter with her. In John chapter 5, he went to the healing pool by Bethsaida, and he went to a man who was waiting for the angel to stir and get there, and the guy took up his pallet and walked. Who cares if it was the Sabbath? The religious. In John chapter 6, he was surrounded by 5,000 men, not including women and children, and he fed them all with a little bag of lunch. In John chapter 9, he came encounter with a man who was born blind. Can I tell you? That was one of the marks of the Messiah when he came, is someone who'd been born blind would be healed. You can be blind later and be healed. They go, that's physical. But to be born blind, and then that would be a mark of the Messiah. You know why Jesus healed him? Because he was the Messiah. When he healed that man born blind, it began to challenge the belief. It began to waken up those who knew the word. They went, this is one of the marks of the Messiah. Is it possible? Is it possible? Can I tell you one of the other ones? How long did a person have to be dead and rotting before he raised him from the dead, the Messiah? How long? Four days. There's a reason why he waited for Lazarus to really stink, to really be in the tomb, to really be dead. People can raise the dead after one or two, but they got to be really dead for the Messiah to do it. This is what he was doing. And how did he do it? Look at verse 10. We we just got to study verse 10. It says this, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. I want to say something to you today, and I trust you're going to get it. Jesus did not do it. Can I say it again? Jesus did not do it. It was not Jesus who did it. It was not the disciples doing it. It was not Smith Wigglesworth doing it. It was not me doing it. It will not be you doing it. For some of us, the hindering is the me. I could never do that. I can't do that. Can I set you free? You can't, and you won't. It won't be you. It will be Holy Spirit in you. I got to tell you honestly, and this is an issue with me, I so often stop with the first part of that verse 12 because I say, God, I got to have faith for the first part before I go into the second part. He says this. He says, 
not only will you do what I've been doing, but what? Greater. How is it we know that? We, we know it here. And look why. He goes, because I'm going to the Father, because I'm going to the Father, when Jesus goes to the Father, what will happen? Holy Spirit will come. Jesus goes, Holy Spirit comes. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Would you write down 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7? How many of you know that off the heart without even going there? Just raise your hand. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Yeah, handful of you. This is the verse. You'll know it as soon as I say it. You may not know the address. It is this. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. God did not give a spirit of fear. God has given us a spirit of what? Power. God has given us a spirit of power. I want you to write it down. I want you to meditate. I want you to chew on it. I want you to begin confessing it. I have been giving it. I have been given a spirit of power. Can you imagine waking up in the morning and the first thing you say is, I have been given a spirit of power. I want to tell you honestly, I think for most people, when they think about spiritual power, for most people, they think about it in the demonic realm and not in the kingdom of God realm. Would you agree? Most of us know more people who function in demonic power more than we know people who function in spirit of God power. That, that's just reality. But I want you to get a picture of what we're dealing with. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Would you write that down? Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And I want you to go back. We know the account. This is Jesus said, we're going to the other side. They had the storm. He woke up. He calmed the storm. They went over there. As soon as they got to the shore, who greeted them? Who was the greeting committee in the Gazarenes? Who was it? Demoniacs. Two men who were demonized. Look at how the Bible describes in in, in uh, In Mark chapter 1, it only talks about one. You read some of the Gospels, it talks about two. Look how it describes him. It says this, no one could bind him. No one could bind him. Not even with chains. After he had been chained, his hands and his feet, he tore the chains apart. He broke the irons off of his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. That's what the Bible said. Can I just be really blunt with you? Is there power in the demonic realm? You bet there is. But look at verse 5. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out. He would cut himself. I'll just tell you what you already know. There is power in the demonic that is incredibly strong. You ask anybody who's addicted. You ask anybody who's depressed. You ask anybody who's dying of a sickness or disease. You ask anybody who is tormented or demonized. You ask any person, is there power in the demonic? They'll go, yes, there is. And can I say to you, if your flesh was enough, there would not be a single person demonized or tormented or under the curse, not one. If the flesh was enough, we'd all be free. I want to tell you very clearly, the power of the demonic is greater than the power of our flesh. We just need to get that straight. 
But look at that encounter. And I want you to think about this. A man filled with 17 demons across the table from me submitted to the single spirit of power inside of me. They all left and this man was freed. Look at this encounter. A man filled with 2,000 demons. A legion. If I phoned you today and I said, hey, Bob, just got a phone call. We're heading out to somewhere in nowhere, Alberta. Got a phone call from a wife of a man who's filled with demons. We're going out there to set them free today. There's probably about 300 demons in them. Would you like to come? How many of you would go, pick me? I would. And when we got there, I'd say, you carry it. I'm going to watch. Look at the encounter. A man filled with 2,000 demons on his knees in front of Jesus, begging him. He knew. They knew they were leaving, begging him not to go to the abyss, but begging him to send them to the pigs. 2,000 demons on their knees in front of the greater power. With a single word. Go. Nick Castellano says this, the greatest power wins. When we go to Africa, and people bring their children with malaria. And we speak to that malaria and the fever leaves and those children are free. They know the greater power has won. When we are standing in the hills of Fiji and we are in a Hindu home that is demonized and things are going off in there and we walk in there, we take authority and that home is instantly freed. They know the greatest power has won. If we believe the demonic is greater than the Spirit of God, we are absolutely deceived. Jesus, filled with Holy Spirit, destroys the work of the enemy. Would, would you hear this really clearly? Jesus did not negotiate with demons. Jesus did not say, I would like you to sign up. We're going to do demon management. Have you heard, I, I talked to someone this week. Anger, in anger, they, they did damage to their loved ones and they went to the courts and the court said, you are now going for anger management. And I said, do you want to, to manage the demon or do you want the demon removed? Can I tell, I don't see anywhere where Jesus did demon management. Jesus did not tolerate. Jesus did not go, well, you stay on your side of the line and I'll stay on mine. I don't see that anywhere. Destroyed the works of the enemy and as a result, set people free. Can I ask you another dumb question? Is that still the call of the church today? How we do in church? Would you write down Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15? 
Some of you, your lives were changed. When John Alley stood at the front of this church, he talked about the three prayers in Ephesians. He prayed those prayers. As a new believer, he prayed those prayers every day of his life, asking God to answer those prayers inside of him. The three prayers in Ephesians. The first one was in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. In verse 19, it says this. He prayed that we would have a revelation of the incomparably great power for us who believe. Verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you would know the incomparably great power for us who believe. Can you imagine if our hearts were enlightened and we actually got this? Can you imagine? Dwight L. Moody made a statement. He said, I would rather have 10 people who get it than 100 people who simmer. One last scripture. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning of verse 14. I want to read this one. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn to it. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. Listen to what it says. The Apostle Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his, his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Let me say it again. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Would you hear my life verse, verse 20? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to what? His power that is at work where? Within us, his power that is at work within us. I remember as a young believer, when verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 3 came alive inside of me, I read that verse multiple times a day. I prayed that verse multiple times a day. That verse, I began to claim that verse in my life. Now to him who by the power at work within me is able to do far more abundantly than all I could ever ask or imagine. It is not us. It is him in us. It is not you. It is him in you. It is not me. It is him in me. It wasn't the disciples, guys. It was Holy Spirit in them. No wonder Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem until you get the power. Don't take on power until you have power. Some of you asked me this week about the book from Smith Wigglesworth. We're getting it. I'll just say it straight up. Guys, I know spirit is positioning. The spirit is positioning people today in this day He is positioning them for change, positioning them for growth, positioning them to believe, positioning them to walk with authority, positioning them to walk with a power they've never walked in, and just to have the darkness go like some of you, some of you are being positioned 
The image the Lord gave me years ago, and I want to end with this today. I told you the story when our family was down in San Antonio, Texas. We went to the Alamo, then we went to the uh, Ripley's, believe it or not, museum. I told you a story about our oldest son, Malachi, doing the drum thing, and he was only about eight beats off of the world record for drum. And by the time we left there, he had done it about 11 times, 12 times. There was a group of people around. They gave us all the information to go to England so he could challenge the, the world's fastest drummer thing. Our son Malachi had no interest in playing the drums. What is that about? But I remember thinking, wouldn't it be something if you could take a needle and you could inject it, suck something out of Malachi and go, world record fastest drummer here? Who would like to become a fast drummer? And you come up and I inject you and what was in him is in you and all of a sudden you are breaking the record. Can you imagine? That, that picture just came to me. And it tied in during the time with AIDS. We don't hear a lot about AIDS today because there has been another one that has eclipsed. But during the time of AIDS, I was reminded and the Lord just said to me, Call, can you imagine for a moment, lots of fear in this thing. Imagine taking a needle, injecting it in someone with AIDS. We, we had, you, you know the story, we had a young lady from Africa who was a part of our church, came to school here. She came, she, had, she contracted AIDS through the way you, got, through the way you get it. She came into the office one day and she said, Pastor, she said, I've got eggs. I've been tested positive. I said, so what do you want? She said, I'd like to be healed. So we began with repentance. We took authority over the AIDS. We spoke to it, commanded it to die. Shortly after, she went back to the doctor. They tested her blood. She was 100% AIDS free. Can I just say this to you? The greatest power wins. But the Lord showed me the image and said, imagine going to someone with AIDS, you took a needle, you drew out some of their blood, and all you did was walk up to somebody else and you inject them with their blood, you inject them with their blood, you inject them with their blood. What, what would happen? That AIDS virus would go from them, it would go into you, and all of a sudden you'd begin to manifest all the symptoms of AIDS would begin happening. We know that happens physically. Wouldn't it be amazing? Today, the church is consumed with a vaccination the church is consumed with an injection. Can I just say, in a pile of ways, big deal. We're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about any of that stuff. There are those who are strong on one side. There are those in the middle. There are those strong on the other side. That is temporal. That is all temporal. You can have your opinion. I've got mine. You can have yours. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Can I tell you the injection that the world is needing today? Wouldn't it be amazing if you, to go, you could go to someone, and I will never forget, I will never forget this, when I spoke to someone who was part of the Satanist church in Alberta, ended up meeting them, getting to know them, in this conversation they said, just want you to know, Pastor Call, in, in the Satanist church, we, we know believers who walk with power and those who walk with none. I said, what are you talking about? They said, we have the ability to look at people who call themselves Christian, we see them, and we can tell, that person's got no power, don't be afraid of them. That per no power. That pastor, he's got no power. No power. Then they look at someone and go, don't mess with that one. The power's in him. Can you imagine if we could go to a person who walks with that power, take a needle, suck it out of them, and have a lineup and go, who would like to be injected? At the very beginning of this message, I asked you a question. 
I said, how many of you believe the majority of the church in our world today is walking in flesh power or spirit power? How much of the church needs a fresh injection of Holy Spirit to begin to walk believing in a power I'll tell you what you already know. The vast majority in the church never will. I don't care. The vast majority of the church in Canada won't. I don't care. The vast majority of the church in Alberta won't. I I don't care. I care about me. And I care about you. When I get to heaven, I stand accountable for every person under my authority and under my anointing. There's a reason why the Bible says, don't let many of you be teachers, don't let many of you be preachers, because there's an accountability on my life for your spiritual well-being. Can you imagine me getting there and the Lord looks at me and go, call. Great job. Your entire church walked in flesh power and changed nothing under the whole term of your ministry. Can you imagine that? It's not what I want to hear. What I want to hear is well done. I want to hear call. Bless you for preaching the word that had the ability to create faith. Yes, so what if a bunch of your people didn't hear it? So what if a bunch of them didn't believe it? So what if a bunch of them wanted to continue walking in flesh power? That's not your job call. Your job was you took the feed to the cows and whether they ate it or not was up to them. But you dropped it off. You planted it. You brought it to light. You spoke the word. You made it so faith could come. I'll tell you honestly, if you're a parent, tell me, how many of you parents would love to choose for your children? Just raise your hand. Every one of us. How's it working for you? Dr. Phil would look at you and go, how's that working for you? Can I tell you what brings me incredible hope? When I sit with the Lord... And when I talk to him about this church and I talk to him about what's going on and when I talk to him about the people, the Lord talks back to me and tells me what he's doing, tells me where he's working, tells me what to talk about, tells me what he's preparing you for, tells me for those who are open and willing and wanting and moving. I get excited about that. It's not my job. My job is to sow the seed. Then the Spirit takes it. And if anybody is willing, brings that seed to life. Dana, could you come? This past week, I spoke to a young man that the Lord has opened up for me to mentor and speak into. He's in an area of ministry. He's a leader. I said something to him that really messed him up. 
And I said, I want you to know that the vast majority of the time in the church when people come forward for ministry, I don't minister to them. I said, when we go on missions and people come forward to be prayed for, I said, the vast majority of the time, I don't pray for them. He says, what are you talking about? I said, everybody expects that the big gun, they expect the pastor, they expect the evangelist, they expect the one that they're going to come and they're going to pray and things are going to happen. What they need to realize is this is the Holy Spirit through anybody. It's not because Pastor Call prayed for you. It's because a believer filled with the Spirit of God who has the Father working through him spoke and prayed over you and you received it, not from the big gun, from God. Image branded inside of me in Africa, in the bishop's home church. When the team came to the front after I finished speaking and the people came, they wanted to be prayed for, I called the team to the front. I stood behind them on the stage and I watched for a half hour or more as this team laid hands and prayed. People fell to the ground. People were healed. I didn't pray for one of them. I was praying for my team. Mark chapter 16, we're going to look at it next week. It says this, these are the signs that will accompany the pastors of the church. Why aren't you standing? Thank you. These are the signs that will accompany those who our day is screaming for children of God who walk with a power that is not their own. We live in a day where the Spirit of God no longer just falls upon men. Isn't that wonderful? Falls upon men and women. Falls upon young and old. Falls upon educated and uneducated. Isn't that beautiful? falls upon those who will receive and those who will believe. I want to prophesy over you today. I declare that those in this church under the influence of the ministry of this church will rise up to a place where they not only believe, but they exercise the power of the Spirit of God in them. I declare today that healings will take place by the laying on of your hands. I declare today that demons will leave people as a result of the authority of your spoken word. I declare today that the dead will be raised under your ministry and under your voice. I declare today that darkness will flee around you, the works of the enemy will be destroyed, and you will be the greater power. Because it's not you doing it. Holy Spirit in you. I want to say it again. 
I don't care if you are the only person in your family and all the rest of them think you are nuts. Walk in the power. And I guarantee you, when their life is falling apart, I guarantee you, when they're on their deathbed, I guarantee you, when they're in a bondage they can't get free from, they will phone the crazy you. And across the kitchen table, you will speak a word, and the greater power will manifest works of the enemy will be destroyed and the captive will be set free. Would you bow with me this morning? Holy Spirit, you've already spoken to me about what's going on here. You've already talked to me about the fact that you are moving, you are drawing a people, you have called them, you are giving those who have ears to hear. You know those who will not change. You know them. That's up to you. But you know those who are hungry, those who are wanting more than status quo, those at the end of the day who want their list to be filled with spirit power, spirit power, spirit power. You told me today, Father, as I shared this word, that you were going to increase faith. You were going to lay a foundation for people who are willing to move, willing to grow, willing to change. I thank you that your word is not returning void. It is happening now to those under the sound of my voice that you have prepared. we understand all of creation is crying out, longing for the sons and daughters of God to be manifest, those who have the power to release, those who have the power to release. The book of Isaiah. The powerful words that Isaiah spoke. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. If that is the cry of your heart right now, just you, between you and the Lord, just say it. Here am I, Lord. Here am I. If you need the Lord do work inside of you and to make you disgusted with where you are, to shake you off the status quo, to remove you from the comfort, powerless flesh life that you're walking in and you're going, God, you need to change me. I'm pretty comfortable here. I need to be rocked. I need things to be shaken. You need to shake. You need to move. You need to undo. Just ask him. Ask him.
Isn't that an amazing thing that Jesus said to his disciples, you will do greater things than I did. That's like a parent saying to their child, you'll go farther than I went. That's a pastor saying to his people, you will do more powerful things than I have ever done. Spirit of God, you are moving. You are speaking. You are empowering people to believe. I release a grace over those this week who will take these scriptures, those who will begin to dive in, those who are no longer content, those who are wanting to believe that you do not lie, and they have received a power. When the Holy Spirit came, they have received a power, and through them to change lives, to through them. The greater power wins. The greater power wins. The Lord is just saying to me, there's somebody in here and you're a senior. And right now you're hearing the thought inside of you that said, I'm a senior, I'm way past this. I'm on my way out, not on my way up. And the Lord is just saying to you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. My spirit on the inside of you has nothing to do with your age, nothing to do with where you are. It's got everything to do with your willingness to flow through, for me to flow through you. Right now, if you are that senior, the Spirit of God is just saying, just make yourself available. Father, make us content with nothing less. Remove our contentment with less than. Seal what you've done today. Seal it. And I thank you for what's going to happen in the prayer closet, what's going to happen in the devotional time, what's going to happen in our private places with you. Oh, you're going to take it places that not even were cracked open today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Our Savior does not lie. As a child of God, you received power when Holy Spirit came upon you. declare to you today what you already know. The Lord has blessed you and he's keeping you. The Lord has caused his face to shine on you and he's been gracious to you. The Lord has lifted up his countenance upon you and has filled you with his peace and his power. that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And every person receiving said, Amen. God bless you, church. Thank you for joining us today. Have an awesome, powerful week. And we'll see you next Sunday, same time, 10 o'clock.
God bless you richly.